I'm old enough to remember the good old days when the sound system amounted to a mic here and an on and off switch. Our scripture tonight is a very familiar passage from the Gospel of John, the 18th chapter, verses 28 through 40. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, The Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it? You have done. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this again, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, you know we don't have to tell you we live in troubling times. And a We struggle sometimes to know what to do, how to make a difference. Where do we fit in? We pray, Lord, that you, the Almighty God, and that your Son, Jesus, the King of Kings, will reign in each one of our individual lives and in us as members of your church. To allow you to have such a place, such a voice in our lives that we hear you calling and that we obey 
And we don't question what it is you want us to do, but we know. Lord, speak tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the past few years, I, I have become increasingly concerned about how to recognize and to know the truth. We hear so many voices giving so many different messages from so many different places that it's hard for us sometimes to know what the truth is. So we're constantly asking the same question that Pilate asked. What is the truth? Where do we go to find the truth? In our practical everyday lives, where do we go to find the truth? Well, some people might say, well, you go to the news media. I'm sorry. I've lost all confidence in the news media. I no longer believe what I hear in the network news. Some people would say, well, then go to your elected officials, your politicians, your, your, uh, your elected officials in state and local and national government. A recent Pew Research Center survey tells us that 75% of Americans don't trust their government or their political leaders. 75%. Some people might say, well, go to the PhDs, the intellectuals, the universities, the professors to find the truth. Certainly these most educated people will know the truth. But many of us no longer trust them either. We've discovered that in our public and, unfortunately, in some of our parochial universities, they have definite social, political, economic, and spiritual biases, biases that affect everything they say and teach. Some people would just say, well, just go along with the crowd. What your circle of friends believes, that's the easiest way. Go along with the crowd. But is the crowd believing the truth? Well, certainly you can go to religion to find the truth. There are so many different religions with so many different interpretations of the truth. Even within Christianity, even within the Christian Reformed Church, we know this. We can't seem to agree on the truth about certain issues, whether they be the sacraments or moral and social issues. And so we divide, we split, we form denominations, different denominations, different sub-denominations. Where can we go to find the truth? Well, this growing distrust and inability to discover the truth is a huge problem for us, for society, for the church. That same Pew Research Center survey that I re referred to a moment ago tells us that 46% of 18 to 29-year-olds in America, almost 50%, 46% of that age group call themselves, they identify themselves as low trusters. The implications of this for Americans' society are grim. Without trust, Without a belief that 
we can discover what the truth is. We can't make social bonds with one another. We won't trust to one another. Without trust, society is going to evolve into chaos. And perhaps, I fear, that we're already beginning to see this happen before our very eyes. Where can we go to find the truth? Well, as we read tonight, this is not a question or a problem that's new to our times. In our passage of Scripture, the Roman governor, Pilate, is confronted with a situation where he has to discover what the truth is. The Jews have brought Jesus to him, and they've accused him. They want him executed. Pilate starts probing for the truth. What crime has he committed? Interesting, their answer is, well, if he wasn't guilty, we wouldn't have brought him to you. They bring no crime. They just, he's guilty. Trust us. Pilate sees through this. He says, you, you deal with it. You take him. Judge him by your own laws. They said, we want him executed, and we can't execute him by Roman law. You have to do that. So Pilate takes Jesus into his inner quarters, and he starts probing. He's looking for the truth. What is it you have done? Are you a king? To which Jesus replied, Are you asking questions that you want to ask or have you been influenced by the Jews? Pilate gets a little impatient with Jesus and says, I'm not a Jew. It's your people that have put me in this situation. Jesus says, Yes, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. And Jesus goes on, to say the verse that will be the theme of our message tonight. I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Words of Jesus. At a very dire time in his life, he is in danger of being executed. He's not fooling around here. I came into the world to testify to the truth, Pilate. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. To which Pilate asks the question that I ask, that we're asking in this day and age. What is it? What is truth? Where do you go to find the truth? Well, Jesus has already answered the question. It's found in me. Jesus said of himself earlier, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Apostle John starts out his gospel by saying, Jesus came from the Father full of grace. Yes, he's loving and he's gracious, but truth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Where does one go to find the truth? A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal relationship with him leads us into the truth. And we're going to dig deeper into that statement tonight. In this passage, Jesus gives us, tells us that he gives us the truth in his teaching. I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And there's an interesting phrase that Jesus uses repeatedly, or the gospel writers have him speaking repeatedly on the pages of their gospels. In Matthew, it's used 27 times. I tell you the truth. In Mark, 
12 times. I'm telling you the truth. Luke, five times. I tell you the truth. John, 23 times. I tell you the truth. In the old King James Version of the Bible, it goes this way. Truly, truly, I say to you. And to bring this home, in John chapter 8, Jesus says to his disciples and to us tonight, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ, a clear understanding of his teachings, guides us into truth. Now, one of Jesus' teachings is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. What's that? That's the Old Testament. Do not think that I've come to do away with the Old Testament. I have not come to abolish the Old Testament, but to fulfill it. And I tell you the truth. There it is. In the King James Version, it would say, Truly, truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the Old Testament, from the Law and the Prophets, until everything, everything is accomplished. Now, there are some things that have been fulfilled. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed uh, uh, bulls and goats and sheep and stuff, and they used their blood to atone for the sins of God's people. That has been fulfilled in the one-time sacrifice of Jesus shedding his blood for us. So that's passed away. That's no longer applying to us. But there are many, many principles and teachings and truths in the Old Testament that still apply to us. In John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and he also makes it clear that he's praying for those who believe in him through the disciples. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And of course, the word of God, when Jesus said that, was the Old Testament. New Testament hadn't been written yet. The teachings of Paul hadn't been recorded yet. A deep and accurate understanding of God's word, Old and New Testament, the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels are crucial for knowing the truth. And it's not just truth about religious things, spiritual things. We'll find in these scriptural passages we'll find in the Old and the New Testament in the teachings of Jesus truth about what sin is and how to get right with God, repentance. We'll find truth about what arrogance looks like and humility, what it looks like. We'll find truth about what is righteous and what is unrighteous. Truth about justice and injustice. Truth about what is grace? And how does one show mercy? Peace. What is peace? What do you experience in peace? What's it like to have peace? And peacemaking. Persecution and how to handle it. Lust. Sex. Sexuality. Gender. Love. Marriage, prayer, priorities, worry, fear, money, purpose in life. It's all there. It's all covered in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, 
and in the teachings of Jesus. We don't have to live life blindly seeking for the truth. We've got a guide. It's God's word. And therefore, it's so important for us to read it. There's a few children in church tonight. I just want to encourage you kids. Read the Bible. Start reading it now. Make it a habit to read it. When I was your age, I had a, it was in the sixth grade, I remember it clearly, a missionary came and challenged us kids in a Sunday school hour, speaking to just us kids, to read our Bibles. And from that time on, I started reading my Bible before I went to bed at night. And I got to confess that sometimes I'd be laying on my pillow on the side of my bed and I'd be reading my Bible like this and I'd fall asleep. That happens. We're human. But I want to encourage you to read your Bible because you're going to have times in your life where you've got to figure out what the truth is. You're going to go to school and teachers are going to say one thing. Your friends are going to say another. And you're going to have to figure out what the truth is. That's true for all of us. Adults too, right? We have to have a clear understanding of God's word because we've got a guide into truth. I am a man who loves the outdoors. I've hunted and fished and hiked and anything outdoors I've loved all my life. But there's one thing that I've failed at miserably outdoors. In the springtime, I've tried a number of times to find mushrooms, morel mushrooms. And so I read about what's the best place to find morel mushrooms, and then I look for habitat that have I would think has morel mushrooms, and I go and look, and I never find them. But one thing that's always worried me a little bit about mushroom hunting is that they warn you, you got to be careful because you can pick mushrooms that aren't edible. They're poison. And I read recently about one mushroom. They, they nickname it the death cap mushroom. It's responsible for 95% of the deaths worldwide for people that have misidentified mushrooms, they picked it thinking it was good, and they ate it, and they died. You do not pick mushrooms by hit and miss. You do not pick mushrooms by trial and error. You do not walk through the woods and say, hey, there's a mushroom. I think I'll pick that one and bring it home and cook it up and eat it. That's not the way you try to pick and eat mushrooms. We should not try to approach life saying, this looks good. My friends seem to like it. I think I'll try that. Or, I think I'm going to try this for a while in my life. That is dangerous. That can get you into trouble. God wants to spare us from that. He doesn't want us to get into trouble. He's given us a guide. Read my word. Follow the teachings, the principles of my word, and spare yourself from being off the path, going astray, picking the wrong mushroom, and getting yourself in trouble. We've got the teachings of Jesus. We've got the Old and the New Testament. And Jesus said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is the truth. So Jesus' teachings and the teachings of Scripture guide us into the truth. But now, there may be some issues that we face in life that are not spoken to directly. For example, a lot of us have children 
adult children who have drifted away from the church. They no longer attend church. Or maybe they've even drifted away from the Lord. Maybe they even testify to us that, yeah, I, I no longer believe in God the way you do. And as concerned parents, parents that have raised our children and believe that God is a covenant God and our children are children of the covenant, we don't give up on them and we want to continue to pray for them, but we also want to do whatever we can to positively influence them to come back. Well, you can't go to the Bible and find chapter and verse about what to do. You can find some principles, but you can't find specific answers about how to approach your children in this particular situation about how to influence them positively to come back to Christ in this church. So how do we find the truth about issues like that? They're not specifically spoken to in the scriptures. Jesus continues to guide us into the truth through the Holy Spirit. Now, we've sung about that already tonight. We spoke about it in our confession. He continues to guide us into the truth by his Holy Spirit, and we need to tune in to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit and listen to him. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. I will not leave you as orphans. Notice here, he says, I will come to you. He doesn't say, he will come to you. Jesus says, this is my spirit. I will come to you. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father. You are in me. I am in you. <clears throat> but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you what? About the Bible? All things. Certainly he will teach us about the Bible. Certainly he will teach us about what Jesus taught and bring to our remembrance what, remembrance what Jesus taught. Certainly he will do that, but he will also teach us, because he's our counselor, all things. And will remind you of everything I've said to you. Just a couple of chapters later, Jesus says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Apostle Paul, <coughs> one of Jesus' most profound, famous um, converts who had a huge impact upon us and upon the church, he writes in <coughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 2, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches biblical things, all things, even the deep things of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. But the spiritual man makes judgments about all things. And then he goes on amazingly to say, we have the mind of Christ. 
There are some people who have been married for 50 years or longer, and it's amazing to watch these people interact with one another because they seem to know each other's thoughts before they're spoken. They know how they're going to react to certain situations. They have a clear and accurate insight into one another's minds. The Apostle Paul says, Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. My spirit will dwell within you. Paul says, you have within you the mind of Christ. Listen. Get in a quiet place. Listen. Paul goes on in Galatians chapter 5. So I say, live by the Spirit. And since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. When the Spirit speaks, listen, and then step to it. Follow the Spirit. I don't have one of these, but there are cars out there that have voice warning systems. I don't know how to say it any more accurately. There is a little voice in there. It's usually a woman's voice that says you're low on gas or buckle your seatbelt or uh, your tires are, are low or, or you know, there, there's a voice that comes out of your car that alerts you to certain things. Well, there was a gentleman who was driving his car and he had one of these cars and he thought it was really cool to have a car that spoke to him like this and warned him about things. But after a little while, it started getting kind of annoying to him that every time he needed gas, this, he called it his little woman, um, she would warn him, you need gas. Get your tires inflated. Put on your seatbelt. One day he was driving down the road, and sure enough, here she comes. You're low on gas. Got to get gas. But he looked at his gauge, and yeah, it was low, but he thought, I got at least 50 mi miles yet. So he kept going. Little, little woman came on again. You need gas. Fuel low. He kept going. <clears throat> The little woman came on again and says, pull over, you need gas. So he did pull over. And he got underneath his dash and he found that fuse, those wires, and he disconnected her. Got back in his car and he headed off. It wasn't 10 miles down the road and the car started to sput and sputter and he ran out of gas. His car coasted off to the side of the road and he sat there. And he thought for sure he could hear a little woman giggling from him under the dashboard. The fact of the matter is, not because I say it, the fact of the matter is that we have a voice inside of us that is the spirit of Jesus Christ. And if we get quiet long enough and listen, He'll guide us into truth. We don't get quiet enough. When I see people walking or jogging, they've got, I don't know what to call them, those things in your ears that you're listening to music with through your telephone. I'm sorry, I know, guys, I'm, I'm really out of it technologically. 
the radio is always on. Something's always going on. We don't, we're never quiet to listen. Even when we have our devotions, we read our Bible, we pray, and then we get up and we're on our way. <clears throat> With issues that surround us, how can I influence my wayward child? It would be good for us to read God's word, particularly read those passages about other saints in the church who had children that were wayward. <clears throat> and look for principles, how to respond to those children, but then also get quiet, pray, seek God's guidance, and listen with your child in this circumstance. This is what will work. Is that you, Jesus? Now, we have to be careful here. <clears throat> I and we have a sinful nature. We have to admit that we have our own biases. I have my own biases. And if I'm too quick to say, well, God told me to do this, or the Holy Spirit told me to do this, we better be careful. It's not that that can't happen. It certainly can happen. But we should be cautious about being too quick to say, I know the truth. In 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and I know this has to do with human teachers that John is warning the church about, but the same thing can be true for the still small voices that we hear inside of us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every inner voice. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So, as we listen quietly for the still small voice of the Spirit of God to guide us into truth about issues that face us in life that aren't directly spoken of in the Word of God, we need to take our time, be quick to hear, slow to speak, as it says in James, and continue to pray and read and meditate and think and listen. And then when we feel that the Lord has spoken. We need to stand up for that truth, but speak it in love, not in arrogance. I know the truth, and you don't. And remember the wise words of Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You're wrong. I'm right. God told me that stirs up anger. but a humble, loving statement, I believe, based upon the teachings of my Savior, Jesus, and based upon much time spent in prayer and inner searching, that this is the truth. In the past couple of months, America has been shocked by senseless, tragic mass shootings. And it seems like every day in the news there's something similar happening. 
Tops grocery store in Buffalo, 13 wounded, 10 dead. The Robb Elementary School in Ebaldi, Texas, 19 children killed, two adult teachers. Highland Park, Illinois, people go to a 4th of July parade and seven of them get killed. What in the world is happening in America? What is the truth about what's happening in America? Well, some people will say, it's guns. Get rid of the guns, and we'll get rid of this stuff. Some people will say, no, it's mental health. Put more resources into mental health. Help people with mental illnesses, and you'll get rid of more of this stuff. Some people will say it's all about white supremacy and white terrorism and, and racism and we've got to deal with that and then you'll get rid of this kind of hate crime. Some people will say it's because we're coming out of this pandemic and the pressures of people and it's, it's, it's just this pandemic. Well, what's the truth? Why is stuff like this happening? And if we can arrive at the truth, what can people like us do about it? bring this a little closer to home. I think I know us. I don't know you. But I know the churches that I've served and I, I, I know our culture, Christian Reformed, Reformed. What's the truth about us? What's the truth about our lives and our place in society and our ability to make a positive difference in the world? What's the truth about who we are. I think the truth is, I know it's true for me. I think it's probably generally true for you. We're prosperous and we're comfortable. <clears throat> it's easy for us to go home tonight and escape from the troubled world in which we live and become distracted by our diversions, our possessions, our recreation. We can escape into a self-indulgent life. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writes to a pastor in the, to the church of Ephesus, Command those who are rich, prosperous, in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It's not that we can't enjoy our blessings. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. What can we do about it? Every day, be intentional about what can we do that's good. What is the truth about who we are? Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise God in heaven. So in this troubled world of darkness and disinformation, a world in which we don't know 
what the truth is. We don't know who to believe. Let us live as people of truth, people of grace and truth. And let's leave church tonight. Go back to our lives and look for our individual way to be salt and light, to be rich in good deeds, to seek the truth patiently, quietly, diligently, to speak the truth in love, to live the truth in our own lives, and to stand strong for the truth. And knowing Jesus Christ, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, following the teachings of Jesus Christ is where we begin. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to constantly be grasping for the truth and sometimes grasping thin air. It begins there. Let's pray together. Father, tomorrow we have a holiday. We won't be going back to work or school. And so we may be at picnics, at play, with family, with neighbors. And even there, and for sure when we go back to work and school, we need to be different. It needs to be evident. We need to be people that live by different principles than the rest of the world. Principles based upon the truth. And we pray that we will live that way, in such a way, that people see it's lived in love, in grace, with compassion. But we will not compromise. So Lord, send us back into our homes and neighborhoods and jobs and schools better equipped to take a step in the direction of confidently knowing what the truth is and confidently living and standing for the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.